I want to speak about God's gift of everything. Um, if we ask the question, what is there in Christmas, uh, in our Christmas celebrations, that is Christian? Uh, I think the main thing that we celebrate is giving gifts as a picture of Christ giving, of God giving the greatest gift through Christ. So today I'm going to talk about the, this, the greatest gift that he's given, the gift of everything. And I want to look at a passage in Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at the whole passage, which is verses 31 through 39. But I particularly want to look at verses 31 and 32. And my goal is to successfully unwrap this gift. And I've got four things I'd like to do. I'd like to talk about God's gift to us of Jesus and then look at the logic of Romans 8.32, which is right at the core of what we'd be looking at, and then ask, well, what about when it doesn't seem like that? And then finally, how do we receive this gift? I want to really make sure that we unwrap it. So first of all, let's go to the verses that I mentioned, Romans chapter 8. And as I said, we're going to be reading 31 through to 39 with a particular focus on verses uh, 31 and 32, which I've put highlighted there. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is the one who will condemn? Christ is the one who died, and more than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, and who is also is interceding for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it's written, for your sake we encounter death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, I'll start off with a story many years ago. I was given uh, a, a gift card for Christmas. And it's the first time I'd ever had a, a gift credit card. It was a $100 MasterCard. And so I was slightly apprehensive about whether it would work, but it did. And that got me thinking, what if someone gave me a gift card and said, there's no limit on this card. I, I've, I have huge amounts of money. Um, you can just spend what you like. What would I do? Well, probably to start with, I'd like 
try little get things on it and see if it worked and um then you know i would spend more and more and more on it um so maybe a car or a house or whatever and uh you know because it was an unlimited it was a bottomless gift so um what my first point then is is god's gift to us of jesus god's gift to us of jesus and uh I'd like to think for a moment about identity theft. Uh, you know what it is when, when somebody gets your credentials and, you know, they, they, uh, um, masquerade as you. I actually, I'm usually pretty good on this sort of thing, but for some stupid reason, this last week I accidentally got caught on one of these phishing scams on email. It came up and said, Oh, you've won $5 on PayPal. And I just clicked on it without thinking. And I realized it had logged me into the PayPal site and it said, um, Oh, we're going to, we're going to consider giving you a gift or something like that. And I thought, this is a bit odd. So I went back and looked at the place I clicked at and it wasn't PayPal at all. It was some other place. I thought, oh no. So very, very quickly, I changed my PayPal password and I could breathe a sigh of relief and nothing got stolen. But very easily, people can masquerade as you. They've got something about you. They masquerade and it's identity theft and it can be really tragic for people. Um, so, uh, but Jesus did more than that. Um, can you imagine a reverse identity theft when somebody um, actually puts huge amounts of money into your bank account and they pay off all your bills and uh, uh, everything, you know, everything is really, really good. Uh, it's a kind of reverse identity theft. Well, Jesus did more than that. And I want to show you a clip now that um, that I made with Bill a few years ago at church. And uh, I've got it here, right here. I'm going to show you. And this is a, a, something I did with Bill during, a, during a, a sermon at New Life. So here it is. Bill, would you be a volunteer? Okay, Bill. So what I want you to do, um, actually, could you, could you just lie down on the stage there? Just lie down. That's right. Uh, so Bill's going to go to sleep. And he's going to sleep for a, a long, long time. You're having trouble there. <laughs> okay. Hey, well done. So Bill's going to sleep for a long, long time here. And um, uh, actually, Bill's a good example of this, but um, we won't tell him why. Um, so while he's asleep, imagine somebody enters his body. And in his body, uh, they get this person goes to the bank and pays off all his debts and deposits a massive amount positively in his bank account. And then this person in his body goes to the gym and works out and you know, gets rid of, of, of any spare fat, not that there is any, but, but you know, builds even better muscles and just gives him a super body. And then goes to the police station, gets fingerprinted and manages to persuade them to completely erase any record that's there. Not that Bill's got a record, but, but just in case he had, um, erase all the record that's there. And, um, and then, and then to top it all, um, did some amazing act of heroism that got on all the news channels, got him world famous, and everybody's talking about this extraordinary guy who's just, you know, single-handedly saved a whole school full of kids or whatever, and and then and and and, and becomes showered with gifts and honors and accolades, and and then he wakes up. So, Bill, you can wake up now. Uh, uh, so he wakes up. So this is the idea of Romans 
8 and 34. Thank you. There we go. There, I hope you enjoyed that. So you can imagine Bill waking up and discovering that he's got, he's got perfect health physically and mentally. His body is beautifully toned from all the exercise. He's got huge amounts of, of, of money. But in addition to that, he's, he's got all of the, um, accolades for things that have been done in his place. And people think very, very highly of him for everything that's been done in his place. Well, uh, that's the idea, I think, of Romans, um, Romans 8.34, that this has been done in our place. And uh, the idea that Jesus has been joined to us, he's actually been on the cross, Jesus was joined in to us so that when he died, it was, we were actually counted as being there. And when he triumphed over sin and was raised from the dead and received a new creation body, we get new creation bodies. And so we actually participate in that. And our identity is actually tied up with Jesus in this. So in verse 34, it says, who's the one who will condemn? Christ is the one who died. And more than that, he was raised. And back in Romans 6, it says to us, you died with Christ. You were united with Christ in his death. You were joined with him and you were joined with him in his resurrection. So this is the idea that's happening here. So uh, you you see what Jesus was doing when he did this amazing uh, work for us. But, um, you know, we don't understand exactly how much Jesus has done for us unless we really grasp our predicament. And um, people don't like to talk about sin nowadays. It's like it's an old-fashioned thing. But actually, you know, there is a penalty that, that's due to us. And uh, uh, the, the, the problem is that we've committed these sins against an eternal God. You know, it does depend on when you do something, on who you're who you're doing it against. Um, there was a story a few years ago, I think it was George Bush um, was in a meeting and somebody threw a shoe at him. Now, if you were to show, throw a shoe at me, then that really wouldn't be of much, you know, that wouldn't be a lot of significance. But um, somebody throwing something at the US president got them into a lot of trouble. Um, so, like, if you, if you pull a knife on somebody, well, you get into trouble. But if you pull a knife on our prime minister that would be much more serious. And so uh, when you offend, you do something against the almighty God, then that is something that's far more serious. And um, it's uh, the, the crime is more serious, and so is the punishment. And so what Jesus did was to carry the punishment for the things that we did against God, if we follow him and if we trust him. So I just want us to... I really understand the magnitude of what it is that Jesus did, the magnitude of the debt that we owed, the, the horrible level to which we had um, accumulated debt that has to be paid. Um, so, But the same logic says that if you've not accepted this gift that we're talking about today from Jesus, you have everything to fear. Because you still have this debt that's, that's, uh, the debt of, of sin, the debt of, uh, of evil that 
been in you and you've committed this against God. And this is a terrible thing. So I really want to urge you that, that if you're not a follower of Jesus today, that this gift is something that you have to receive or else your future is not good. So, uh, we've looked then at this, this, uh, this gift, but I really want to focus now on the logic of what's happening in verse 32. And so let me just uh, talk about this. And this is what's called a, th- a syllogism, to use a technical word. A syllogism is a three-part logical statement, like, for example, this. Cats have four legs. My friend has a cat. Therefore, my friend's cat has four legs. So is this necessarily true? Well, actually, is it true that cats have four legs? Generally speaking, they do, but it's possible to have one with a deformity that only has three. Um, my friend has a cat. So, well, we've stated that, you know, that's assumed. Yeah, that's true. But so number three is not necessarily true just because my friend has a cat that it has four legs. Okay, here's another one to try on you. Um, Canadians play the best hockey. The maple leaves are all Canadian. Therefore, the Maple Leafs always win the Stanley Cup. So, what about that? Um, is number one true? Well, people can argue that, but even if you assume number one is true, um, number two is not true. But if number one and number two were both true, would number three still be true? Well, it wouldn't, because the, the, the victory doesn't always go to the strongest players. There's all other things that are happening. So this is a, a, a false syllogism. So let me give you another one. Human beings, apart from Jesus, are imperfect and flawed. Is that true? I think we'd agree on that. The queen is a human being. Yeah, I think you'd have to agree on that. The queen is imperfect and flawed. Yeah. So there we have a properly stated syllogism. One and two are both true. And so, and the reasoning for three is, is, is accurate. And so three is true. And so, uh, this brings us to the most amazing statement of logic that Paul gives to us. And I've spent some time on this, working through this, because I really want you to get this. I really want you to unwrap this present today. So here it is. Father God has given the gift of Jesus Christ for us to suffer and die and pay for our sins. Yes, if we're Christian, we believe that that's true. Nothing is more precious to the Father than Jesus. Yeah, I think we probably agree um, that there's nothing more precious. I mean, maybe equally precious to the Spirit, but yeah, that's good. There is no other gift that God would not give us. So this is what is being said here. Let me just try and unpack this directly in in Paul's words. And here's the verse. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So here we go. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And then there's an implied his son is the most precious gift he could give. That's implied in that statement because spare his own son. It's like this is his son. This is the most precious thing. And then the the third point, how will he not also 
along with him, freely give us all things. How will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? So the logic is, God's given us the greater. Why would he withhold from us the something that's less? And uh, I want you to um, uh, imagine uh, a story that might tie in with this. Imagine that for some reason or other, you were invited to a very wealthy person's home, maybe Elon Musk or Bill Gates or somebody like that. And they paid for your flight, fly first class. When you got to the airport, there was a limo waiting to take you. you they took you out for a meal that was a thousand dollars per person. And then they took you home to their mansion and you went in the guest room, which was just so lavish. And then at breakfast time, um, you in the morning, you, you got up and you, you wanted some juice. So you said to them, could I, could I pay you some money for some juice from your fridge? Imagine what their, what would be, it would be, you'd be insulting them, wouldn't you? Because if they've given you all of these things, why would they charge you for juice from the fridge? That would be absolutely ridiculous. And so this is, um, this is what, is really being said here. God's giving you Jesus. Will he withhold any good thing from you? This is the logic. Um, but what about when it doesn't seem like that? What about when it, it doesn't seem you're getting the good things? So a while ago, the hard drive died on my computer and I prayed that God would help me get it going. And it, it was obviously very dead. So I prayed that he would help me recover the data. And I, I tried recovering it with recovery software. And eventually I, the drive died completely. And I thought I was kind of upset with God. I thought I prayed to you and now it's got like this. And so this was kind of the low point. I got upset with God because he'd not answered my prayer. But actually, it turned out the recovery had worked and everything had been got off the drive and it was fine. And then I discovered that this broken drive was under warranty and I was able to get a complete new replacement for it. And I discovered that I had already had a spare drive that I could use. And so, in fact, it ended up um, perfect and I was kind of a little bit ashamed that I'd been so cross with God in the middle of this for not hearing my prayer. And um, so sometimes our logic can be something like this. I'm a child of the king. All his resources are available to me. Um, so nothing bad will ever happen. And what's the problem with this? Well, um, th there is a problem. And let me try and illustrate this. Uh, with, with say, um, Kingsley and Dan. Now, if we were to ask the question, um, are all of um, Dan's resources as a dad available to Kingsley? Well, yes, of course. He, he can, anything that Kingsley needs, he'll provide for him. Um, does this mean that um, Kingsley can drive his dad's vehicle? Well, no. Does it mean he can unsupervised play with any of Dan's guitars? Well, probably not. Um, so what's happening there? What's the issue? It's not, is it that Dan doesn't love Kingsley? No, it's not. It's actually, he loves him too much to let him drive his car. And in fact, what's going on is a process of development, a process of, of, um, 
are of learning, of growth, of, of trust. And so sometimes it's not good for us to get everything we want immediately. Sometimes we're going through a process and God took me through that process. So in the end, I could see, well, maybe God won't instantly answer my prayer. But in the long run, my prayers will be heard. So I'd like to show this in a chart that I think really I find really helpful in formulating this. And what this chart is going to show is two extreme positions, which are very common today in Christian circles, and a center position. And here we go. Um, the, the two errors. So on the one side, we have none of heaven now. Don't expect healing until heaven. All blessings are spiritual. So um, none of the good things, material things you can expect now, because all the only blessings we're going to get in the in this time before Jesus returns are physical ones, are spiritual ones. All the all the the other blessings, tangible blessings, are in eternity. That's none of heaven now. So the other extreme is all of heaven now. So healing is your right. You will always be healed if you have faith. No one will ever be sick if they have faith. If you've got, and you have a right to the wealth of heaven now, you will, if you are spiritual, you'll be prosperous. If you, if you really, if somebody has faith, you'll have lots and lots of money. Um, I mean, one flaw in this is that why would anybody ever die? Because people always die of some kind of sickness. So if somebody has faith, enough faith, they could keep living indefinitely, which doesn't make sense at all. But I, I think the answer for the Bible teaches is the middle one. We have some of heaven now. Some of it is available to us and God loves to heal. So we pray for it and we believe that a lot of healing can come now. We demand that, that God must heal every sickness now, but nevertheless, God does. He's a loving and heavenly, loving heavenly father. Also, so there's material blessings that come now and God can give us good things, but he's like the good father who for him is much more important than that we develop in the right way than we just get everything we ask for straight away. What happens to a child if everything they ask for, you give them straight away? Well, it doesn't turn out very well in terms of their their development. So, um, so I want to say that God's love and gifts don't always lift us out of the problems of this world, but um, His love, His love is there in them in all the things that happen. God's love is there. And um, even I mean, our close friends and relatives may die. That that might happen. Um, we may have um, things that get old and break. We may have uh, bad things that appear to happen to us. Uh, but nevertheless, God, if God has given us his own son, why would he ultimately let anything that we need not be given to us. So to summarize there where we've been, I've looked at summarized God's gift to us of Jesus. And then we spent some time at looking at logic and how the logic of Romans 8.32 is so important. And then uh, I've asked the question, what, what about when it doesn't seem like that? What about when it doesn't seem that God is actually giving us these good gifts? So I'd like to 
close by talking about receiving this gift. How do we unwrap this present? Because that is my goal for us today, to really unwrap this present that he has for us. And so I want to say that that illustration that I gave earlier, that video clip I showed with Bill, there's one thing missing from that. Because when Bill finally woke up, um, he was just himself again, although he had lots of better things. But the way the Bible explains it is that Jesus is joined to us, that we're not alone anymore, that he's attached to us forever. He's eternally attached to us. And so it's literally Jesus that's given to us, not just all the good things that Jesus has enjoyed, but he himself becomes ours. And I'd just like to uh, end by reading uh, some of these verses again. I'd like to read verses 35 in closing. And the verse 35 here through to the end. And this is my last slide. This is what I'm going to close with. So I really want you to get this. I really want you to unwrap this as I'm reading it. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we encounter death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, and we are more than victorious through him who loved us. Now notice that he's not saying we don't suffer persecution or famine or these things. But in these things we're more than victorious. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're trusting in Jesus, he's forgiven you for every sin, every fault, every failing, and nothing can separate you from his love for eternity. The love of the Son of God is joined to you. And I hope and I pray that you can unwrap the truth of that in those verses that we've been looking at. If God's given you this gift, how will he withhold from you anything else that you might need? He's given you the best and the highest. Let's really try and grasp this, shall we? Let's really try and allow this truth to sink into us. Jesus is ours. He's joined to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've not withheld from us the very, very most precious thing you have. But because of your great love, you've given us Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your commitment to us. And as we leave this year, 2020, which has been a year we could have never imagined, a year where we've had so many challenges, Lord, we, we, we pray, Lord, that you would give us encouragement, you would take away our fear, you would take away our worry about this year to come, because we know that in you we are secure, in you we have nothing 
to fear. In you, we have the gift of Jesus and you will not, you will not withhold from us any good thing. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, really help us right now to unpack this in our hearts and let it sink in. In Jesus' name, amen.